Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have TJ Simone with me. TJ founded Slice, a company that makes cutting tools like scissors and safety knives that are used by more than 50% of the Fortune 1000 companies. Their mission is to reduce injuries and lower costs by replacing dangerous metal blades with patented Slice ceramic blades. Slice sold tens of millions of units worldwide. TJ founded Slice in 2008 as a way to help fund long-term care for his autistic son. I'm very excited to have TJ on Success Harbor today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being here, TJ. Uh, let's talk about what you were doing prior to starting Slice. Well, I've had several companies over the years. Some of them have run in parallel. Uh, the one most recent to Slice was uh, a supplier to the promotional products industry in, in uh, partnership with Jelly Belly. Uh, it still runs myjellybelly.com as the website uh, where mm-hmm. you can personalize uh, Jelly Belly products. Mm-hmm. So, so this was not your first business, basically. No, no, it's one of one of many. You know, you're really breaking up. I wonder if you have anything else running. Uh, do you have maybe, um, I don't know, some email or some other because something eats up the bandwidth. No, but let me um, let me switch. The Skype is actually on my phone here. Let me switch to Wi, uh, and then hopefully that'll solve it. George, I'm sorry. Let me let me switch this over to Wi-Fi one second here. Now it's on Wi-Fi, so it's a much better uh, connection. How did you get the idea for these patented uh, ceramic blades? Uh, I mean, how did you get the idea actually for the whole business? Well, originally I had a smaller product that used a ceramic blade that I saw in Japan years ago, and um, I had made a version of that for my other business, and I started receiving phone calls and requests for that product in industrial use, excuse me, industrial use, which I was surprised to uh, even find out about this, uh, what's called the industrial and safety industry. I really didn't know anything about it. Uh, So I started selling to that industry. And then later on, those same customers asked me for different handles and longer blades and replaceable blades. And we just kind of built upon the success, uh, the, the small success of that initial product by responding to the customer's needs and, and supplying them with what they needed. And that's basically still what we do now is, is all of our new product development is driven by what the customers are asking for, which is nice. We're not guessing what they want. They, they tell us what they want. So that's how I originally started it. Yeah, because there are so many companies that kind of make assumptions and they create something. They spend months, years, and a bunch of money, and then they learn that you know, that's not what the customer wants. Yeah, I, I made that same mistake myself many times. And I think nowadays it's really quite easy to test something quickly um, without bankrupting yourself and even fund it uh, through technology, of course. So you could really test many different things over a shorter amount of time. Um, but the best way is, of course, to find out what someone wants first, then you avoid a lot of the guessing. And, and fortunately, we, I've finally been able to get to that point where a lot of the guesswork is out of it. So can you give us an example when when you didn't do it that way and you created something that people didn't want? <laughs> sure, I can give you about 20 examples of that. Um, one fun example is uh, there was a company in Japan 
which sold these little miniature uh, collectible items. And this, it's cultural in Japan. They sell these little candies with collectible figures. Um, and adults collect them. They buy the candy for the excuse, throw the candy away, and keep the collectibles. And in Japan, they sold about 30 million pieces of these little collectible dinosaurs. Um, and I believe in Japan it was called Dino Tales. And I was introduced to this Japanese company uh, through friends, and, and I'd done other business with Japanese companies, and they wanted to do it in America. So I naturally assumed just because it sold well in Japan, it would sell well in America. So I spent a ton of time, a ton of money converting the packaging to English and, and redesigning the packaging for the U.S. market and bringing in a, a, quite a bit of stock, um, only to find out that uh, culturally it did not translate very well to uh, to the uh, American culture. So that's that's one, one area where I should have done a lot more research before I pulled the trigger on a very expensive uh, mistake. But as they say, mistakes make good stories. So I've got lots of good stories. So if you want to test something today, uh, how do you how do you do that? Uh, I mean, you know, there are big places like Kickstarter if you want to create something entirely new. But if you have a company that's already running, uh, how do you test something that maybe an idea that you have for a new product? Well, I think if it's already running, it's even easier. It's probably slightly harder if you're not already running because you need to get feedback from customers. So if you're already running, you have those customers, and it's, it's very simple nowadays to do a rendering or a 3D prototype of something and get some feedback or do surveys and find out what your customers want. I think it's a little more challenging if you don't have a specific customer base. One of our challenges earlier on was trying to find our specific customer base. I originally played in many areas, including uh, office, uh, arts and craft, um, housewares, uh, as well as industrial safety and even beauty uh, in terms of cutting tools. And our customer base has settled to be the industrial safety. And originally I thought it was going to be housewares. So I think the harder part, part is finding your customer base. And once you find that customer base, you can find out what they want. Um, in, in our case, anyway, that was, that was the situation. But without the customers to bounce the ideas off of it, it's a little harder to determine what, what you, if what you're creating is, is going to have an audience. So initially, when you were trying to figure that out, did you go to trade shows or did you send some samples to uh, different industries and, and, and wanted to find out their feedback? Both. Uh, both of those. Uh, I did a lot of trade shows. Uh, I exhibited it a lot and I walked a lot of trade shows. And I also sent out a lot of samples and made a lot of calls to different industry professionals. That's another nice thing nowadays with things, things like LinkedIn and, and Data.com. You could really find the people you need to talk to so easily. Um, I, I'm a personal, personally a big fan of LinkedIn. I, I love finding the right people and sending them an in-mail. It just has such more impact when you do it professionally like that versus just calling them randomly or, or emailing them random, randomly and asking them a question. And most people genuinely want to help and will try to put you in touch with the right people. So what were some of the biggest challenges early on? I mean, you started a business in 2008, and, and you already mentioned that, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges was finding the market. Um, in addition to that, what were some of the other challenges? Well, as you may recall, 2008 was not the best year financially. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was a good and a bad time to start a business. Um, I was babysitting our other business at that time, too, which uh, financially, of course, took a huge hit. So I really didn't get going full time with Slice till probably less than two years ago, um, simply because of the fact that uh, there was a lot going on in other areas that needed to be attended to. Um, but I think uh, 
part of the challenge at that time was the financial situation of things. Um, but it also presented other challenges or opportunities, excuse me, because um, since business was down for everybody, uh, people were more open to listening to ideas or helping me with things. Like many of the people I've used to design the products are very famous designers, and they're quite busy now. And I don't think they'd be able to help me as much as they did in, in the 2008, early 2009 timeframe when business was just terrible for everybody and they needed something to do as much as the next guy. So I think there's never a bad time to start a business. It's always a good time regardless of what's going on and regardless of what the challenges are. There's always going to be some sort of challenges. Yeah, if you create something that the market wants, uh, no matter when you start, in the long run, you will succeed. Yes, that's that's what I found because I am and I've t I've interviewed businesses that were, you know, making thirty million dollars and they lost you know fifty percent during the uh, recession. But but they they did come back. They made the right cuts and as long as they had something the market wanted, and they did the right things, it didn't kill the business. Yes, yeah, two thousand eight was definitely a neutralizing year for for things people really wanted and and or things they could really do without. That's for sure. And I, I, you mentioned the designers, and I, I really, you know, you know, looking at the different cutters and everything, I, I did notice that the design was just really awesome on the products. Um, you know, as a consumer, I wasn't looking at it from the, you know, whatever other angles you could look at it, but just by just the design, just just looks really cool to me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think design can make everything better, and design isn't just making things prettier; it's functionally better too. And I think that's an important thing. You you can make something that looks good and doesn't function well. We've done that before. Uh, but we start from the engineering side of things to make a functionally better product. And then we also do the industrial design on top of that to make it aesthetically better and see if we could also make improvements from the design aspect. Of There's many little idiosyncrasies on our products that are, are beneficial specifically because of the, the design, not so much always because of the engineering. But we do start with engineering first, have really good functionality, and then uh, – we had the industrial design uh, probably about halfway through the engineering uh, to make sure everybody could come up with a, a really beautiful product that functions beyond what's already out there. So, so you you actually have the ceramic blades uh, patented. Yeah, we have, How, we have, what is patented? The way uh, it is is it is used, or or what is patented on the product? Well, we uh, we try to have all of our products uh, functionally patented, utility patented. Uh, of course, they're all design patents, which is a uh, weaker of the, of the two patents. But uh, from a utility standpoint, we want those strong patents. Um, many of our products are already patented. The blades themselves have some patents that are pending and some that have been approved. But it, it basically centers around the thickness of the blade and the sharpness, uh, the angle that we sharpen it at. And, and it's for uh, replaceable utility style blades. And what results uh, with our with our design is is something that's very safe to the touch. You can rub the blade against your hand and not cut yourself. You have to. Yeah, I watched the video. Why is that? Is that because of the angle of the blade, or why, why is that you're not cutting yourself like you would with a, a stainless steel uh, blade? Uh, it's a combination of the thickness of the blade and the angle of cut. Um, a metal blade initiates a cut very easily, in part because it's quote unquote razor thin and razor sharp. Ours are not as sharp 
in reality as a metal blade because they're thicker and the angle of the sharpening is such at a different degree. But they are very sharp. You have to apply pressure to get that same cut and they last much longer because of the durability of the ceramics. So the result is a blade that's incredibly safe to hold versus a metal blade. Uh, you have to put it in a handle to apply pressure uh, to get that cut. Yeah, because it, seem, it seems that, you know, that steel blade is just kind of an overkill to cut a paper box. Yet everybody is using it, or a lot of people are using it anyway. So That's correct. Yeah, it, our, our blades are sharp enough to get the jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And that's the right compromise to make. Uh, you know, it does the job, but, you know, the injury, potential for injury is a lot, lot lower. So let, let's talk about the... Uh, Getting the first customers, uh, you mentioned that uh, you've been uh, f through your other business. You got some some initial interest, but you know I'm sure that was a, a nice beginning. But ultimately, you ended up selling you know tens of millions of these worldwide. So how do you get some of those first customers? Lots of phone calls and lots of samples. Um, the, the market I'm playing in now is interesting because decisions are not made quickly because people's safety is on the line. So they test things thoroughly before they implement them. But the nice thing is, they, once they're implemented, they'll buy from you for years. I mean, you, you, these are major corporations like General Electric, Bechtel, Boeing, Halliburton, Raytheon, Dow. Southwest Airlines, if I remember yeah, correctly. Southwest, that's right. Yeah, even the airlines use them. So it's, it, they really don't move quickly. They move slow. But once they implement it, uh, they, they'll keep it forever. So we send out a lot of samples. I think last quarter we sent out about 15,000 samples. Uh, so it's really the best way to get people to test them. So how long does it take? You mentioned it takes a long time. So you're talking about a matter of weeks, months, years to, you know, I'm sure it varies, but is there kind of an average? Yeah, no, it does vary, and I have not seen much of an average other than the fact the bigger the company, the longer it takes. For instance, Boeing has been looking at it for six months, and they finally approved it corporate-wide. So that's that's a good good win, but it takes some time. So today, marketing uh, slice, the best way is to send out these samples. Are there any other channels that you use to market? Slice? Yes. Uh, so for us, the best is word of mouth from uh, these environmental health and safety managers, EHS managers, that, that they talk to each other. Since it's a non-competitive segment of business, even in competing businesses, the EHS managers will talk to each other because the, the goal is to reduce injuries. But I do do a lot of trade shows. There's lots of trade shows because our products fit uh, in the packaging industry and in the office industry. So I still go to those shows and everybody cuts. Uh, so we did about 12 trade shows uh, this year alone. So let's talk about uh, differentiation. I mean, you already, you know, we're talking about ceramic uh, blades here, not not uh, not metal blades. Uh, what does the market ask of you to to make the switch? What do, what do companies want to see? How do you how do you need to differentiate yourself? For our customer base, their number one priority is safety. So if I could show that our blades and products will reduce injuries or lower the chance of industries, injuries, they want the product. Um, the secondary, of course, is cost, but that is way secondary. The, the number one is safety. The, these larger companies, uh, safety is big now all over the world. Um, we ship to 30 countries, and, and they all want safer products for their employees, which is really nice to see. So as long as we could demonstrate that they're safer, 
and their employees are will be safer. They want the products. And uh, where do you manufacture your 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 uh, blades? Uh, I manufacture in southern China. I'm still looking for a U.S.-based manufacturer. If anyone's listening that uh, deals in ceramics, uh, and I make components in different parts of the world as well. But mostly we assemble and manufacture in southern China. We we stock uh, here in the U.S. in the southern in the Los Angeles area. We also have a warehouse in Germany, and the U.K. and in Korea. And is uh, intellectual property has that been an issue, or are, are there knockoffs that you're fighting right now? Uh, some of the original products there were knockoffs, but our IP is uh, pretty strong, so we've um, been able to shut down anybody that's brought in uh, the, anything that's infringing. Um, so it hasn't been, but that's also because we planned fairly well from the beginning to make sure that our, our IP was covered. And do you have somebody in China full time to make sure that uh, you know the quality is maintained? Yes, uh, I have a, a, a business friend that I've known for many years there, who is actually from Southern California. He's lived there for 20 years. He handles all our inspections and factory relations for us, and I go over about twice a year uh, as well. Perhaps as a learning opportunity for our for our audience, what what is the biggest mistake that you have made with Slice? Uh, the biggest mistake I've made with Slice, um, I think, was not getting out of certain segments faster uh, than I should have. I, I tried to make some things work uh, initially instead of just listening to where my customers were coming from, because I, like all things, you don't end up where you think you're going to end up. And I originally thought I was going to play in housewares, um, you know, making different houseware items out of ceramic. But as it turns out, uh, our business is, is not that. It's industrial safety and operations for, for these Fortune 1000 companies. So I, I think I spent a little too long, a little too much time, a little bit too much money trying to make our products work in, uh, in a segment that just wasn't responding like I thought it was going to instead of just quickly going after where the customers were. were. I, I'd like to ask you about prioritizing hmm. because when you wake up in the morning as an entrepreneur – you have freedom, so you can do whatever you want. But what you do is going to make a difference between success and failure as an entrepreneur. So how do you prioritize what you're going to spend your days on? Ah, that's a really good question and something I still struggle with daily because like most people, George, I take the path of least resistance. I choose the easy tasks first. And, and I struggle with this every day to attack the harder tasks that are going to take me two, three hours at a time instead of just spending two, three hours getting all the smaller tasks done. So um, I think that's something I still struggle with myself. Is uh, It's important, I think, to attack those more important, bigger um, issues that uh, have long, long-reaching effects or benefits to you instead of taking the easy path of dealing with the smaller, easy tasks. Um, so I try to go after the bigger tasks, um, the harder ones, and get those off our plate uh, sooner. But uh, sometimes I fail and I fall prey to the activities of uh, the easier tasks. Uh, so, But I, my goal in the morning is to try to tackle those more important, larger, and more difficult chores or tasks that, uh, that need attention. So if, if somebody came to you and, and saw your success as an entrepreneur, and let's say they had a job now or you know, they would want to start a business, 
and and they say, you know, TJ, uh, help me. Or what what's the one thing that I need to I need to do first as as an entrepreneur? What 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 would that first thing that you would teach that person? Well, I think the first thing is just anything. Anything as an entrepreneur, just do something to get yourself every day towards that goal. And I think the nice thing today is that you don't have to quit your job uh, that you have. I mean, I had several corporate jobs before I started my first entity. Uh, and I did my uh, entrepreneurial thing in the evening and on the weekends where it didn't interfere with my job. And eventually uh, we had customers and revenue and I got to the point where I could do my entrepreneurial uh, efforts full time. So I, I think the key is just to do something, anything. Don't let paralysis of analysis uh, get you um, uh, where you, you don't do anything because you're worried to do anything. Or you're thinking about it all the time. I think just taking any steps towards uh, some activity towards some goal is, is key just to do something. And what are your goals for Slice? Let's say, you know, five years is way too far in the future, but let's say in the next one to two years, where do you, where do you want to see Slice? Yeah, I can't think five years out anymore. Uh, one to two years, I really want to continue penetrating the Fortune 1000 with our products and to uh, continue engineering and developing and launching all the new products that we have under development as a result of the customers we've acquired over the past couple of years that are telling us that, you know, your current products are great, but can you have products that also do this? So most of our time and money now is spent on that next generation of products that uh, is being driven by our customer base, which in turn should turn into nice revenue for us as well. So that's mostly my goal is to continue penetration of the Fortune 1000 and, and launch our next round of products. How can people find uh, out more about uh, Slice or, or find out more about you or find out more about the company? Uh, they can go to sliceproducts.com, S-L-I-C-E, products.com, uh, and find us there. And there's, uh, there's a lot of information on our products um, and some of the other philanthropic things we do are on, on the website as well. Well, TJ, thank you very much for coming on Success Harbor today to share your story. I wish you uh, continued success with, uh, with Slice. And everybody out there, check out sliceproducts.com. Thank you, TJ. Thank you, George. Have a great week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.